0: house so good to have everybody at church today I'll tell you man church is just so much better when the Cowboys are playing well Just tell you man everybody has a little more excited or that or excited a little more happy a little more expectation in the day you know just goes better for all those that know the Lord and cheer for the Cowboys so good to have everybody at church. Um, we're starting a new series today called Romans. Romans. We're starting a new series called Romans today. And I think it's going to be an epic series as we navigate this over the next couple of weeks and have a good conversation. Because what is, what's going on here is this is call, Paul's case for faith. You know, as believers today in this generation, um, we, we, one, uh, as mature believers, but two, in a young generation that's coming to know, Uh, We are ever more in a godless, churchless generation, churchless uh, time in history, and uh, we we gotta articulate and clearly communicate a belief system, a clear belief system that's been laid out for a long period of time that maybe a generation is attached from uh, based on the, the influences in their lives, the lack of it present in their everyday goings, and you know it's a generation that's allowed it to happen. So I thought it'd be great for us to go through this book, it's Paul's case, For faith, Um, it's it's a very well put together body of work, um, speaking to a church in Rome. Now, basically, how this all comes together, if you don't know, uh, a church in Rome existed uh, 20 25 years after what would be considered the day of Pentecost, whenever the Holy Spirit fell. You know, Jesus said, hey, hang out here in Jerusalem. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. Um, and, and they did. And the Holy Spirit fell. And 3,000 people came to know Jesus. They're all in town for a big party. Uh, it's the, the, they're coming in to celebrate a Jewish festival and they're present at that moment in time and 3000 people the holy spirit comes down the 120 go out they preach the gospel speaking in different dialects on what the individuals uh where they came from out throughout the region and uh 3000 people get came to know Jesus now the bible says acts 2 that they hung out there for a little bit it says they met together regularly and they shared their stuff and um they took the communion together everything like that now Sometimes we get a little confused because we can take scripture inside of context and now use it in this grand scheme, right? Now, people will take this scripture right in Acts two forty-two, where individuals came together, they, they listened to the apostles teaching, they lived it, they had community together, they shared their stuff and try to put a socialist system on the church, right? It's about socialism. You know, they shared all of their stuff and it's like, that's the exact opposite of what it's talking about inside of there. Actually, they came together, revival hit, there's a bunch of people like, we ain't leaving the revival, man. This is good. I don't know what just happened, but we ain't had church like that before. And they hung out there. Well, they're from all throughout the region. Well, after a little bit of time, you run out of money. When you run out of money, everybody's like, man, God is good. Jesus is moving. The Holy Spirit's falling. This is lit. Let's stay. And so they did, but they are running out of provision. But there was believers that were there. They're like, hey, I got some property and stuff. Let me sell that. And I'm going to bring the provisions here in order to sustain people while they're here and God's moving. Well, you get a little bit down the way, and persecution hits the church, and what does it say? The church scattered. Look inside Acts. The church scatters under persecution. Stephen gets killed. Blah. The church scatters. They're under a, They're under pressure, and so when they scatter, they scatter all throughout the region. The church in Rome was these believers, Jews that came to know Jesus, that are following Jesus, that went back to Rome when the church was persecuted, and it happened all throughout the region that now Paul's writing this letter to the church in Rome 25 years later to say, here is our case for faith, right? Here's our case for faith. There was both Jews and Gentiles that were both following Jesus that were existing in the same place. The Jews got kicked out of Rome for a period of time. They came back five years later. And now all of a sudden they got some tension between the Jews and Gentiles and this whole thing. So he has a good conversation. So I think it's a great book because the first part of it's gonna be talking about what we believe. The second part's gonna be talking about how we behave. And so we're going to navigate this over the next three weeks. And then we got a break because we got two speakers coming in back to back. And then we'll bring it, uh, wrap it up in the middle of November. But uh, how many of you guys have ever been in a place inside of your life where you had to give a case for something? You've ever been there before? Now, when you're growing up, in order to go do things, you've got to make a case for things your parents let you do. Right? I want to hang out after 10 o'clock with somebody. They're like, "Well, what happens you know what's good after 10? You're like, "Well, a lot can go down well. I mean, <laughs> when I'm there, the party's just getting started. you know it's always going to be a party, uh, but you have to give a case for your ability to do something, right? It justifies the decision that you're allowed to do inside of marriage, right? Uh, you've got to make a case. you know, my wife always has to make a case for the Amazon packages that are coming to the house. <laughs> right And it's not good whenever the UPS driver and the, the FedEx driver both come to our church. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, hey, I saw you on our camera, again, uh, again. It, my wife, it was my wife, was not me, you know. It was fine. <laughs> but you gotta give a case for that, right? A month ago, I like to get away in space, had a lot of pressure on me, had some decision to make, I don't know, it was two months ago, something like that. When I was out of town, I made a purchase. Well, my wife that afternoon asked me, so how did you make this purchase in Fredericksburg? I was like, well, how'd you know I was in Fredericksburg? So I gotta figure that part out, but I had to make a case for that decision. (laughs) I didn't tell her I was going out and uh, just made the decision in the morning. But then everywhere in life, at work, you make decisions, you do things, right? You gotta justify positions and reasoning and all that. You gotta make a case for those things. And It's everything about life is, if you're living something, you wanna live from a position on what you believe. And if you don't know what you believe, it's really hard to make the decisions in alignment with those values or those principles. And Paul is really making a case to believers inside of Rome to say, hey, here's a clear position on what we believe, one, right? Here's the world, the problem, the issues. Here's what we believe about all of it. Here's what we believe the solution is. So there you go. Now live it, right? And that's essentially what's going on in here in Rome. So I want to have that conversation here today because we're going to tread into these waters. And I'll tell you, one scripture, if you want to hang one scripture, or I going to hang Romans on one scripture, it's going to be this right here. Romans 1, verse number 16, it says this, For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. Amen. I'm not ashamed about the, 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 the good news it is about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Saving everyone who believes. It's clear inside of here. This is the good news. It's Jesus Christ. And anybody that believes in Jesus Christ is saved, which means that everybody is Else it's not okay. Cool. I didn't have to go there, but just dumbing it down, right? Okay. So, verse number seventeen. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish. What? By faith, as the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. You want to hang the book? It's right here. This is a book about the good news of Jesus Christ, man. And it's through Jesus Christ in which we're saved. We live in a generation today that it is jump into a world of maybe polytheistic philosophies and teachings and belief systems. But we want to raise a generation that clearly understands we serve a monotheistic God. He is one true God, three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And there's a solution in him, amen? So if you want to write notes, write this across the top of your paper. We got a problem. You'll all solve it. No, don't write that on the back end, but... (laughs) We got a problem, right? We got a problem. We got a problem. You got a problem. I got a problem. We got a problem on our hands. Now, here's the deal. The problem that is at play here, we're going to talk about it here today. But if you want to take notes on number one, you can write, the world's got a problem. Put that on top of your paper. The world's got a problem. We're going to go all the way down inside of here. Romans is going to clearly articulate this, what the world's problem is. For us, we got to maybe shift some perspectives and understanding because as we pull back in uh, philosophy, in our our philosophical look at the world and we look through a a worldview lens, hopefully there's a biblical worldview, Romans is going to clearly articulate it here on where the problem's at. Okay, so let's jump into it. Romans 1 on the backside of what we just read, verse number 18. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because they have made it, uh, because God, uh, sorry, he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities. They can clearly see the invisible qualities. His eternal power and divine nature. You can clearly see it in creation. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. The world has no excuse for not knowing God. You can see the invisible qualities. You can see his eternal power and divine nature through his creation. You can clearly see it. Psalms 19 would say this. Psalms 19 says the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. Clearly stated on the beginning of here, the world's got a problem. The problem is this. The, the, The world, you can look into creation, the beauty of creation you can see all that is is, has been created and say wow that's awesome or you can say wow our god is amazing there's two ways you can say it whoa this is how could this come together in such beauty whoa or you say wow that's that's beautiful that's incredible and walk away with no appreciation for the Creator. Right, you think about, uh, Heather and I went to Zion National Park. We did this little hike right here. Um, it was like a mile, no big deal. <laughs> Kicked it out. This was after six miles at Bryce Canyon. So I'm not, no, not, not bragging or anything like that, but yeah. it is after that. But this is a beautiful place overlook Zion National Park in Utah. You can look at this picture. I mean, you get up there. There's certain places inside of the world that when Heather and I have stood there, it's just like, oh my God, Santorini is one of those places. Unbelievable serene. Unbelievable. In uh, Norway, in the Isle of Skye, unbelievably beautiful. I mean, it's unbelievably beautiful. There's these places you can see inside the world. You just stand back and you're like, this ain't the work of man. Ain't no way. This is, a, this is the work of something Supernatural. There's got to be a creator, right? Now, now, this is the problem with man is we can look at things and appreciate them for what they are. We can look at them and appreciate the one who has created them. I I like how this one uh, uh, individual would say it. He says this. He was a researcher in this and a scientist formative in a lot of different things. He says this, a bit of science distances one from God, but much science nears one to him. The more I study nature, the more I understand, or I stand amazed at the work of the creator. The, the more I see it, I mean, the person that's formative in the world of study uh, of science and um, research is looking into the lens and finding that, man, just a little bit will separate you from God. just appreciating what what man can do and the research and look at the intellect of man but you go into the trenches and a lot of study of it oh you'll start to see man this is way bigger than man god is at work this is incredible i mean the position of our lives our lens has to shift from this place the problem with the world is we see all of it but we don't recognize the creator of it we just see it for our own joy we see it for our own gain. We see it for our own use. How can we take it and do something for ourselves? So here's the deal. You move on in the, in the case that he's making. So you move in, uh, move down in Romans. It says this: Yes, they knew God, but they what? Wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. Instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. This is a big philosophical picture that you have to see the world with. We're not talking small potatoes right now. You gotta elevate yourself to look at the world. We're talking all people, all of humanity, not just here in America, not just here in San Antonio, not just here at Pearl Street Church. You get myopic in your perspective, you'll, li- you'll die in the middle of the chaos we live in inside of this world. You don't know what you believe. You look through a myopic perspective, my, my community, my small group of people. We're talking the world. He's speaking to the big picture of humanity. This is what humanity does. We think up ideas. When we don't acknowledge God for who he is and the bigness and his creation, we think up, we become utter fools because we won't recognize him for who he is. And what do we do? Then we will create things that we then worship. We will place idols all over our lives and and give our attention and our affection to all these things. Because what? We want to do it. We want to serve it. We We like it, so we're going to do it. It's a big philosophical approach. You've got to shift the perspective. You may even see it in yourself. What What idols have you put before the creator of the universe? What do you devote all your time to? What do you devote a majority of your time to? What have you got wrapped up in? What are you spending your money on? Think about it. More than likely, that is something you've put before God, and now you've devoted your affection towards it. There's good things out there, just God's not in it. There's a lot of bad things in it that God definitely isn't in, but it's destroying your life. It's destroying our lives. You know know where you can find this? Here's the problem with it. You can look in Genesis 11. Here's here's where man said, okay, cool. God is the creator. He's he's put all these things together. God spoke all the raw materials into existence. (laughs) Spoke it into existence. And then man says, hey, let's go take what God has created and do some things for ourselves. Let's look at Genesis 11. Tower of Babel, what's going on here? They go, let's, be, let's begin, uh, they begin to say after they settled in a certain region, a group of people, they, said, they begin to uh, saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. Uh, moving down to verse number four. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. What do they say? Let's go take God's raw materials. Let's go create something, what? Let's go create something for ourselves, for who? For what, or to make who famous? Us. This is the problem with the world. You can see God in all that is created. He is clearly evident in the invisible qualities. You can see it all throughout. Humanity has to step back and say, Wow, there's gotta be a God. Because if not, we will, step, we will step forward and say, let's take whatever is here and let's build it in awe for us. Let's do it for ourselves. Let's do it, not, let's not give God any type of credit for it. Let's just do it for ourselves. We're gonna make it because we wanna become famous. We wanna do it for ourselves. That is the problem with humanity. That humanity. You got to look at it, because either we are building for what, the glory of God, or we are building for the glory of ourselves. And this is with anything inside of our lives. Why do you do the things you do on a daily basis? Is it for your glory, or is it because for His glory? You got to answer that question inside of your life. It'll change the trajectory of your life god is the creator he is the one that spoke spoken into existence i'm reading the book or i, just, I finished the book uh, uh mafia bomber mafia by uh, malcolm gladwell he would say inside there the scientists would say this this brilliant individual that's a brilliant engineer that was creating and doing all these incredible things he built the 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 bombsite device that revolutionized world war ii but it was all in his mind he didn't write anything down they kept on trying to attribute um a genius to him they're like man you're such a genius you're such a genius he said no no no, don't call me a genius god is the genius god is the creator we are just the discoverers we are just discovering what god has already done don't put that on me it's living in that perspective on, we serve a creative God, we are creative beings, we have gifts and talents as, uh, as people here on this earth that God has formed in fashion. Are we coming together to say, we're gonna take what God has created, we're going to build things for here today based on our talent, and then on the other side of it, this is not here to make us famous, this is here to make him famous. We are here for the glory of God. It changes everything about our lives everything c.s lewis says it this way i like how c.s lewis says it this way he says this he says there are two kinds of people those who say thy will be done and those to whom god says all right then have it your way there's two different types of people they will run and do you however they want to do it but god thy will be done god i'm just here every single morning i mean for saying the lord's prayer what is it your will be done on earth as it is in heaven your will be done. Jesus taught us how to pray. Your will be done as on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. Not my will. I'm jacked up. I'm fallen. I'm broken. Not my will be done. Not the world's will. God's will be done. Right here on this earth. You look inside of the Tower of Babel, God recognized that humanity does have the ability to build great things. He said, Look. They're speaking the same language and they're united. There's nothing that can stop them. Let me go down and confuse them with changing their languages and scatter them all throughout the earth. It's what God did at that moment in time because he recognized the power of speaking the same language and being united that man can build incredible things. The question though is, is man building for the glory of God or building for the glory of man? This is a hard, it's a hard question, a a great philosophical question that whenever you look into life, you look into living, you look into governments, you look into institutions, tune into, are they building for their glory of themselves or for the glory of God? It's the questions you want to ask. I I I I want the earth building for the glory of God. Amen. Now, as much as we can sit back here today and be like, man, the world is jacked up. I know it. You know what the reality is? You jacked up too. I'm jacked up too. <laughs> we all are messed up, right? And that's the beauty inside of this the, the, uh, in Romans, this Paul clearly articulates on the front end, the world is messed up. The world has an issue with sin. The, uh, the world has an issue to, to separate themselves from God. The world wants to just take all the power for themselves and build it in their image, but not recognize God in the process. Okay, chapter number two. Well, guess what? You may think you got it all together, but you don't, right? How many of you guys live in a world where when you think of your life and you look outward, you're like, man, yeah, they are all messed up, but then when you think about yourself, you're like, I got it all together. You been there before? I was gonna show one of those comparison pictures on what you're trying to look like, but what you actually look like, okay? (laughs) That's the reality. You're trying to look like something, but let's be honest, you look like that. Let's Let's be honest, right? So, I uh, think it's G.K. Chesterton says this. This is a great statement. It's that what he's saying, what's wrong with the world? Yep, 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 yep. I am, you are, we are. Why is the world jacked up? Because we jacked up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a sin issue that's been born into man. We are born into sin, just FYI. There is no perfect human that is born without sin. We are born into sin. Because the sin of one man, sin came into the world. Paul would articulate that, and we're gonna get into it later in this book. But one sin uh, by Adam brought it into the world. But one gift of Jesus changed the dynamics. We'll talk about that later. But we are the issue. We're the problem. It's inside of us. We can't look out and be like, oh my God. We should be looking in and like, oh my God wrong with me? I ask the same question about you all the time. I'm like, I don't know. Th- this is who you gave me. No, playing. <laughs> Let's look at Romans. Moving on to Romans chapter two, it says this. It says, you may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. Speaking towards the Jewish believers because they have the law, they know God. It says, when you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself for you who judge others do the very same things. And we know that God in his justice We'll punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? The reality is we are all messed up. We are in no place to be judging anybody else, right? No place to be judging anybody else because we have our own issues. This is where Jesus would speak about in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus would say it this way. Matthew chapter 7, do not judge others or you will be, uh, and you will not be judged, Show you right now, you don't want to be judged harshly. Stop judging people. Isn't it funny about this? I think this is funny about judgment and comparison. Comparison, we always see ourselves less than. Judgment, we always see ourselves better than. Isn't that funny? We compare, we're like, oh, that person, I want to be just like, oh, I'm not that. We judge and people are like, oh, we're definitely better than them. Get their lives together, man, like mine, you know. I love it. <laughs> For you will be uh, treated as you treat others. The standard uh, you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Uh, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log sticking out of your own right the speck and log situation it's a big deal inside of our world today it's something that as believers and doesn't matter how long you've been down inside of the journey of faith you could be five years you could be 10 years you could be two two weeks everybody wants to get into the comparison world to say where am i at on the totem pole of this but here's the deal, Jesus puts us all in the same playing field. We're all running hard after him in order to love the world, bless the world, uh, be a bloodline of Abraham that through Jesus Christ is saved and we are blessing the world. The same promise given to Abraham is the same thing he wants us doing. Be a blessing to the world, right? Our children's children to be a blessing to the world. The speck and law conversation. And we get caught up in it. We wanna judge, but man, where are we at? When you pull it back, you're like, man, okay, the world is messed up, cool. No, 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 I'm messed up, okay. It'll change the conversation about your life. On I, Stop looking to say, man, what is wrong with the world? And start saying, what's wrong with me? How do I need to grow closer to Jesus today? How do I need to get better in following Jesus today? How am I not, not living up to the standard in which God has set out for me? What do I need to do? Because each one of us, not one of us, compared to the righteousness of Jesus, not one of us matches up. We're all falling short. Romans would say it this way, and I'm gonna read a little bit, I'm gonna click down, but it says this, well then, should we conclude that we we Jews are better than uh, others? No, not at all, for we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. We're all under the power of sin. Can't get away from it. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. And then he goes on a whole list of things on how we just, we we don't add up. The latter part of it, it says this. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. And so when you talk about the law, the law was given to a Jewish group of people, which is rules and regulations. The same thing you had inside of your home when you were growing up, when your parents said you can do this and you can't do that. It's the same thing the law was given to a group of people known as God's chosen people, the Jews, to say, this is the parameters on your living. And if you're going to follow me, you're gonna live with inside of these parameters. Now, with any type of rules and regulation, um, you know that you truly don't have the love of somebody if they constantly are bouncing up against those regulations. Yeah. You know, you constantly have issues with it, right? Your kids, inevitably, you tell them what's not to do, they're going to do it, yeah. right? They wanna push those boundaries. Now, as we talked about in our last series, when we talked about the family dynamics, uh, winning in your family dynamics, when you start with a conversation of love, it's very easy to get the honor and obedience from your children. Because you're loving them, they know you're, you're, you're for them, you're with them, you're behind them, right? And so they'll respect you. It's just a natural process. And the same thing would be true with us is Jesus has shown us his love, right? God's love for us by his life being laid down for us. And when he lays down his life for us, it's showing, hey, I love you. Do you recognize the sacrifice in which I've made for you? You are in debt because of your sin. You are dead and dying in your sin right? You are not good. You are under the penalty of sin, but the law was given to show how messed up we are. That's why the law was given. The law is given to say, hey, you, you're never going to be able to meet the standard by following it, but it at least show you that you're messed up, right? When you've got rules and regulations inside of your house, you'll know which kids are off and which kids are on. Mm-hmm. The one that keeps on beating his head up against the wall or the rules, if you want to, are the kids that are having a problem with authority. And those are the kids that probably need a different conversation to restore relationship. When you have that restored relationship, now you have the child's heart and then everything else is easier. The law was given, you are sinful, you are under sin. It only exposes that no one can be made right from the law. That is why it's not through works, it's by faith. It's not by works we are saved. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith leads us in a love conversation, a relationship with our God that leads us in the right decisions inside of our lives. What, is, what does God want? world is jacked up. We're jacked up. But Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the solution. It, it, Jesus is the solution to the world's problems. God wants our hearts Jesus is the response. That's why Jesus came. It was God's response to man's issue, the world's problem. Let me provide the solution for you. In John 14, it would say it this way. Jesus speaking, he says this, if you love me, obey my commandments. How do you hear that? When when, When I read that right there, how do you hear it? If you love me, obey my commandments. Do you hear it like this? If you love me, obey my commandments. Do you hear it like that? Maybe that's how your parents talked to you when you were growing up. If you love me, just do what I'm telling you to do. Or do you hear it like this? If you love me, you obey my commandments. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Is that how you hear it? Because it's probably that, that, that's God's heart for us. I think Jesus is saying that whenever, if you love me, I'm not even worried about you. I'm not even worried about you missing the expectations of living because you love me. It's the same thing with my wife. I know she loves me. I love her. I'm not worried that she's going to commit adultery because she loves me. Makes sense. He's saying, if I have your heart, he doesn't just want our heads, rules and regulations. What can I not do? What can I do? Can I stay out that late? Can I, can I be in that relationship? Can I have sex outside of marriage? Can I do this? Can I be can I gr- gr- greedy? Or can I have a little bit of this? Can I, we don't even worry about that whenever we are in a love relationship. they're Because he doesn't want just want our heads. Well, I got to do this. Walking robots. He has living humans that he's captured our heart and our affection. If you love me, yo, my commandments, let's go. Let's ride or die, let's go. You're my boy. You're my girl, let's go. We're we're bringing, we're blessing the world. We're changing the world. The sin issue is being resolved through this love. And you're a part of it. If you love me, obey my commandments. We got an issue. The world has an issue. There's a big problem going on, especially today in our world. A lot of building for the glory of self individual extreme individualism going on in our world today it's a problem but jesus is the solution it's god's solution for humanity no one can pay the price no one no thing no work no amount of money can pay the price of your and my sin it is a life for our lives his name is jesus christ why he shed his blood. What does blood represent? Life. There's not blood pumping in your body. You ain't breathing. He had to spill his blood that represented his life to cover the atonement of your sin to pay the price. Romans 3 would say it this way. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law because we can't. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, We are made right with God by what? Placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Amen, let's flip over to scripture. Yet God in his grace, whose grace? God's grace, it's God's grace. There's no grace needed where there's no sin there's no grace needed whenever there's no infraction makes sense sin what we were born into it we all live under a problem we all born with an issue by God's grace though he freely makes us right in his sight he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins for God's present presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin people are made right with God when they believe come on how are they made right? Whenever we believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood, that, this sacrifice shows that uh, God was being fair whenever he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Flip it over. For, we, uh, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Again, believe in Jesus. Can we boast then? Uh, that we have uh, done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Amen? That's it right there. It is through Jesus that we have right standing with God. It is by God's grace that he has made us right with himself. Every single person inside of here is under sin until you get the blood of Jesus on your life. Washes you as white as snow. Every single person inside of here. It is not by works you can't be good enough and the world can't be good enough in order to receive eternal life. This is God's solution for man's problem. We are working from grace by faith to bless the world. This is what Jesus has done for us. We can sit back and say, well, we're gonna to try to figure out another way or this you know, polytheistic world, you know, their thing is their thing, their thing is their thing. No, there is those things that are out there. We can recognize those things that are out there. I'm not saying don't recognize it, but what I am saying is don't be convinced that somebody can find salvation through other means. There's no shaka things you can put on yourself. Shakaraka, there's no nothing... <laughs> Whatever the Shakaraka stuff is, that's freaking voodoo, whatever it is. You can't go to a tarot reader. Tell you today. You can't rub Buddha's belly enough. Right? You can't have enough good works through Hinduism. It's not, it's not through anything else other than a man, Jesus Christ, that there is a salvation for our sin. It's only through <laughs> Jesus. That's it. So there's things that are out there, but we come to a place in belief that Jesus is the only solution and we run to share that gospel. Right, as Paul said on the beginning here, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power at work saving lives. Would we be able to say the same things if we tried to write a book? Or we'd be over here like, well, it's good. Super good, you know, it's like cool. <laughs> but do your thing, I mean, your thing is your thing. Are we able to have to say it is the power at work? The good news about Jesus Christ is the power at work saving people who believe. There's no salvation in any other name. Would we be able to say it? Are we compromised in our perspective because we don't have the ability to live with conviction because we don't want to be somebody to tell us any different? We don't want, we don't confrontation. It's not about confrontation, it's about love. It's the greatest love story that's ever been told. Greatest love story that's ever been told. And it's still being written today, whether we do it, whether we live it or we don't live it. My hope is that we do live it. It's the greatest opportunity we have. Remove ourselves from sin. You know, I tell you, Jesus, Jesus has, He's such a graceful man. I think He modeled where He's at with us as humanity. Whenever. He was dealing with a man named Peter. You now Peter being a fisherman, he called him to come follow me. Here's the crazy thing, and this, if you're in here today and maybe you feel like, man, I don't know where I'm at with my faith. Cool, listen to this. Peter was in a place, he, he was with Jesus, he was a disciple of Jesus, he was close to Jesus. Jesus would tell him, hey, you're going to deny me three times. You're gonna be put on a hot spot, and before The crow sounds, you're going to deny me, the crow, the rooster. Before the rooster crows, there you go there. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, who me? Nah. Tell you today, if you are a religious person here today, you're going to deny Jesus three times at some point in time get over yourself Peter was with Jesus now I ain't never gonna I ain't never back down ain't never what happens? Peter gets scared Peter denies Jesus now here's the deal Jesus is on the front end of it loving Peter Peter I'm gonna build my church based on the statement that you clearly know that I'm the Messiah we cool but guess what Peter you're gonna fail me Peter's like no I'm never gonna fail you no you're gonna fail me bro it's all good Jesus dies. Peter's like, where's Jesus? I'm going back to what's comfortable. I'm gonna go back to my old lifestyle. I'm gonna go back to fishing. I don't know where Jesus is, I'm going back to fishing. This is something you gotta be careful inside of your life. Whenever you feel your type slipping back into old behaviors and old lifestyles, more than likely there's a lot of tension going around inside of your faith that could be either a faith builder or it could be the very thing that's trying to take you out. Slipping back into what's comfortable. Idle hands are the work of the devil. We don't need idle hands. You already know the belief. You're held to accountability on what you know. You know now it's been revealed. You know what truth is. You know what righteous living is. You know what holiness is. You can't back that up now, right? Don't back that thing up to that, okay? Don't back it up to that. But here's the cool thing about the story. Jesus loved Peter, cared for Peter. Peter denied him just as Jesus said he would. Where was Jesus whenever Peter went back to comfortable? Jesus is right there on the shore to say, Peter, hey, man, do you love me? Peter's like, yeah, yeah, I do love you, Jesus. Feed my sheep, man, feed my sheep. He's like, oh, okay. Just to make sure we're clear, man. Peter, you love me? Yeah, yeah, I just said it. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Let me ask the third time, do you love me? Yeah then feed my sheep. Here's the beautiful thing about Jesus modeling for us. He's here in the beginning. He already knows you're going to fail him. He already knows you're not going to meet the standard. He already knows you're going to die him at some point in time in your life. When you try to go back to comfortable, where's Jesus at? Hey, man, do you love me? Yeah, I do, man, but I fail. I I don't feel like I'm... Feed my sheep, man. Feed my sheep. It's already covered in the grace. Your denial is already covered in the grace. Okay. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. It's a brutal process of sanctification, coming to know Jesus and living this life. Why? Because we're all sinful. We're all jacked up. We all find ourselves in a place where idols begin put up in our lives and we don't know where they come from, how they come from, small choices over time lead to these big, gigantic things where our hearts are all jacked up, our devotions all jacked up. And we got to constantly have these times where Jesus comes back. It's like, dude, do you love me? You're like, wait, wait, you're talking to me? Yeah, I love you, Jesus. I do love you. Then, then feed my sheep. Go and be a blessing to the world. Go and do what I've called you to do. Make sense? This is the beauty of the heart of God. Jesus is in the beginning. He's in the middle and he's on the other side because he he sees who you can become. He doesn't see you for the fault and failure. He sees you for, you love me, feed my sheep. Just, Just go do and live and be. Get over the time where you denied Him. Come back and say, but I love you. I did, but I love you. And man, the future. Every pitch, man, every day, new opportunity for what God wants to do. You may have fallen short. You may have found yourself in a tough space. You may have been making decisions for the last 10 years of your life. Do you love Jesus? Do you believe he's the answer to your problem? If he is, say yes and keep on loving the world and feeding his sheep and figuring out how do I use all these gifts and talents that God is giving me, not to glorify myself, but to glorify him. It's the tension of humanity and it's tension in every single one of our hearts. Is it for us or is it for him? Do we live for us, or do we live for Him? Jesus loves us as God loved us. And with that, put us in right standing with Him, that now we can bless the world and be a blessing that glorifies God. Now, if you're in here today and you don't know this Jesus, it's time to know this Jesus. If you feel like today that you see the world's problems, the world's issues, you've tried it in a lot of different ways or spaces or places or things in which you've done, you've tried to work for this peace inside of your heart where there's a God-sized gaping hole in your heart because God created you and you were created to be in relationship with your God, but sin has separated you from him and sin can't be destroyed unless Jesus is met, it separates or, or puts you back into a right standing with God. That's justification. You're justified through Jesus Christ, right relationship with God. If you feel today separated from your creator, well, guess what? That's how Adam and Eve felt whenever they tried to grab the knowledge of good and evil and ate it for themselves and said, we don't need you. Just at some point in time, you said you don't need him, but you're realizing you do. That's why Matthew 5, 3 says, one of the first Beatitudes off the the block, the first one says, God blesses those who realize their need for him. That's why it's there. If you don't feel like you have a need, you ain't gonna be blessed by God. God will abandon you to your free will. That's the God we serve, He is so good. But if you realize your desperation, it'll draw you to Him. So if, you don't, if you're not connected to Him today, this, is a, this could be transformative for you. You can come to know Jesus today that deals with your issue of sin, pays the penalty, that is a just penalty for the decisions you've made that have rebelled against God, trying to do it your own way, being your own Lord. Now you can get under the covering of God. And as, as Paul says in the first part of Romans here, I am a slave of Christ. That's how he says it. I'm a slave of Christ. Not I'm a free person and I follow Christ. I am a slave of Christ. It's not my will be done, it's his. I gotta go through him for whatever I do. I'm moving, I'm moving away from freedom and into his kingdom where he's the Lord, okay. It changes the game so if this is you today you want to meet jesus a life in which was lived that gave it up for you today could be your day that it changed maybe you're on the other side of it you've been out of uh, out of faith for a while maybe you felt like you've been running and gunning maybe you have lived la vida loca maybe you had made some choices that are you know out of alignment right and we don't need to go down that road on what that looks like but sin is sin when you're in love with God, you know what sin is. You know when you make the decision, it just ain't right. You know it's funky. When you feel the funk in your junk. You're like, hey I don't know about that. You're trying to get the funk out of the junk, man, when you're trying to live right. So if this is you on the other side, you've lived with the funk when you know what it means to be free. Maybe it's time to say, okay, time to stop playing games tired of um, trying to stop trying to build something for myself and I just need to be submitted maybe a slave if you want to put it that way to Christ in his lordship doing what he's asking me to do living as he's asking me to live that's called recommitting yourself to Christ we want you to recommit to Christ today here's the deal I'm not a pastor says close your eyes bow your heads close your eyes why is that because you can't acknowledge it inside of here you can't say it inside of here you're not gonna live it out there Jesus said you acknowledge me here I'll acknowledge you in heaven So with every head up and every eye wide open, with every mind clear on this decision, by no coercion, no coercion, cohesion, coercion. By no stress, there you go, say it that way. No pressure. If you believe this is your time to meet Jesus, you are convinced that you are a sinner. Raise your hand, say this is me. I wanna meet Jesus, I'm gonna pay the price of my sin. Amen. Hands all over the room in Jesus' name, amen. Simple this. These are, maybe you've seen it in the past, and I'll tell you my heart, I've grown up. I've grown up in a Pentecostal church where it's this ah, emotional thing. I want to fight against 75% of you guys not making it. Jesus said, I plant four seeds. Three of them don't prosper. I want more than 25%. I don't wanna, I don't want you to feel this. Oh, I gotta do this. I want you to be clear headed to say, I'm making this decision to follow Jesus. I am a sinner. Jesus was saying, who, who, who starts to build a house before counting the cost? You're, you're counting the cost to say, I, I'm changing my life. I'm living for Jesus. It's not about me anymore. It's about him. So all these sinful decisions I'm making all these choices I'm making that is out of alignment with his will, I'm changing that today. No longer am I living in sin, I'm choosing righteousness today. And you change the, the trajectory of your life. But that's what you've got to make now. When you say yes to Jesus, don't play games. Well, like next month, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna change that. No, 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 today. Change it today. Change it right now. That's the old life. You don't, you don't look like that anymore. You don't talk like that anymore. You don't spend your money on stuff like that anymore. You don't think like that anymore. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus, look like your daddy. Stop looking like your last self, right? Look like your daddy. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Act like it. Right? Act like it. You think differently. You walk differently. You talk differently. You love differently. You're not that anymore. And anybody tries to tell you that, just be like, nah, man, that's the old self, man. You see the blood? You see blood on me? You see blood? It's Jesus blood. Thank you very much, okay? It's Jesus. So if you're making this decision, count the costs, live the life. Let's go. We are here to bless the world. If we can't do it, if this generation doesn't rise up and live it, the next generation will never know it. And we'll be living in a god, even more godless generation, right? Jesus said, we are the light of the world. Please don't hide it. Set that puppy up so that everybody can see it. Live it. Let them see your good works and not glorify you. Oh, look how good you are. Let them glorify your heavenly father. So let's say this prayer. This would be the ABC prayer. I'm being extremely straightforward with this day. Ain't no emotional, nothing on it. Clear. My teaching series, I'm teaching. The ABCs is you admit you're a sinner, you believe that Jesus is the savior of the world, the son of God, and you commit your life to him. The ABCs, you probably wanna do this every day of your life, right? It's the same thing that's inside of the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive me for my trespasses, I forgive those that did it against me. It's the same thing, Jesus told us how to pray, that's how you should pray every single day. The Lord's Prayer, not strictly to that, but in that realm. So admit, believe, commit. So let's say it right now together. Jesus, we admit we are sinners. We've fallen short of the glory of God. And we believe that you are God's solution for the penalty of our sins. Forgive us. Come into our heart. Make us new right now. We commit our lives to you. Everything we do, everything we say is to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen and amen, amen, amen. Yeah. love it, Woo! I tell you, I love, I love this, I love this right here, I just love it, sometimes, you know, if you're a part of our church, and I feel like I have to say it because we do a lot of different things, we're a church after the unchurched, we want people that are unchurched to come in and have something that connects, but we do want mature believers to have something that connects too, and so don't get caught up in a Sunday, Right, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. The church is here to be for everybody. So when you walk through these doors, don't get myopic and like selfish and like, I can't believe that he didn't even like try to give me a word today. God can speak through anything, a donkey if he has to too, right? So I guarantee you this, if you're tuned in, the Holy Spirit will reveal something to you. So get yourself off of it and tune into what God is doing because this church is much bigger than just you. The part you play is not as big as the part that we play as a church. So just play your part and let's keep on doing big things inside of our city. Amen.